0: Um, When kids walk in the door, they are greeted by at least three human beings by name who ask them how they're doing and and how things are going for them. And just that alone is a huge connection piece. We are back with another episode of Where You Are. I'm Michelle
1: Horn. Co-hosting this very special episode with me today is Gail Markin. She is a district teacher for social emotional learning in the Langley School District and an educational consultant for all things health and well-being. Welcome to the podcast, Gail.
2: Thanks, Michelle. Great to be here.
1: Today's episode is unique and is particularly geared towards school professionals. We'll be bringing together the voices and ideas of school professionals from rural and remote BC communities to share their journey, learnings, and tips for promoting mental wellness in rural and remote school communities. Over the last few years, the BC Children's Health Literacy Team and Kelty Mental Health Resource Centre Team have been working together to support rural and remote schools across BC. This has included in-person visits to these school communities, with the goal of helping to connect school professionals and school community members with resources, education, and support for promoting the mental wellness of staff and students. Gail has been involved in this project from the beginning. Gail, before we introduce our guests, can you tell us a bit more about how you've been involved in this project?
2: Yes. So um, over the last year, I've been working with the BC Children's Health Literacy Team on this project. And I've had the absolute pleasure of visiting some of these rural and remote school communities across BC. Just visiting these resilient, resourceful, and creative school communities has been truly an inspiring experience. Um, So we're really fortunate to have two of the school professionals that we visited and that we're working with on this project on our podcast today. So joining us are Caitlin Curry, a principal from Alexis Creek, and Derek Shaw, a principal from Valmont. So let's listen to that conversation.
1: Caitlin, to set the stage for our listeners,
0: can you tell us about the community you live in? Sure. Um, I live and work in Alexis Creek. So we're about 120 kilometers west of Williams Lake uh, on the Tocobin Plateau. Um, our school services three different communities. We got two First Nations communities, Platt Co. and NSITN, and also the Alexis Creek community. We're a smallish school, so we have about 38 students from kindergarten to grade 10 currently enrolled.
1: Great, thanks so much. And Dara, can you do the same for us? Just uh, tell us a bit about the community you live in.
3: Sure. So uh, I work in Valemount a community of just over a thousand people. Uh, The school I work in is Vellemount Secondary, where we have grades um, 8 to 12 with approximately 80 students.
2: Wonderful. Thanks, Derek. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how um, professionals are supporting child and youth mental health in your school?
3: So we're, we're very grateful that our school district trustees have got behind the the whole mental health curriculum and provided us with funding to hire a full-time counselor that is shared between the elementary school and the high school here in Belmont. So we have a, a full-time uh, teacher position that strictly supports uh, both the students as well as the staff in both schools in, in the role of counseling.
2: And that is a wonderful thing. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about other sort of professionals in your community that that you work
3: with? Being a small community, it's it's an awesome thing. Most of our medical uh, professionals in the community right now also come together with our, our youth and mental health collaborative, uh, and we meet monthly, and we um, we look at our, our youth in our community and and try to work out things uh, collect collaboratively to uh, to support the youth uh, as well as the greater community. Um, but primarily, our focus is, is on the youth. So Robinson Valley Support Society also sits at that table and they and they bring their personnel and their expertise as well to support youth.
2: Nice. Sounds like the community all kind of connecting and working together there.
3: Yeah, more so than any community I've ever worked in. Actually, it's, it's really coming together great in a great fashion. And I think that uh, the students are, are feeling the supports
2: um,
3: more than they ever have in the past.
2: Uh, Caitlin, can you talk a little bit about that same question about professionals supporting child and youth mental health in your school? We have sort of an interesting
0: geographical challenge that I'm sure impacts a lot of rural schools. So we are at a distance from a lot of the services that we connect with. So a lot of professional support takes the the shape of itinerant support. So we would see counseling uh, support if we're lucky biweekly. <laughs> um, but certainly things like weather and road conditions and the, the many balls in the air that someone in that kind of position uh, has to manage because they'll be servicing a couple of schools of a similar kind um, in in the same way means that our our kids have that sort of extra barrier between them and support at times. Um, so some of the response though that, that we've We've come up with to help support that is to take a really holistic staff approach to mental health and wellness in our school. Um, so, really looked at it. it's not just one
2: person's job, it's everyone's job to look after their kids. Thanks, Caitlin. That's it's so interesting, because I love the idea of the holistic looking at it. It it sounds like it's a combination of, you know, the counseling professionals doing their very best and working uh, to access and to uh, do what they can, uh, despite some of the challenges and, and some of the barriers, and then also counting on the whole school community to understand and see it as everybody working together. It's been a
0: really neat um, experience developing that as a sense of shared responsibility over the last couple of years. As you can imagine, sometimes there's that frustration among uh, frontline staff, We're like we don't have enough support for our kids. Um, we don't, we it's hard to get people regularly. It's hard to get someone who wants to drive those kilometers regularly. Um, so to take that uh, frustration away, and say, so what can we do? Because we're here every day. And then those for supports so our counselor coming in, what can they do to help support us as much as the kids when they are here um, so that we can grow our skills as well.
1: Great. So just a follow-up question. Uh, so we know that in addition to these professionals that, support, that are supporting uh, Child and Youth Mental Health within your communities, sometimes outside agencies come into these smaller rural and remote communities. Uh, Caitlin, I'm wondering if there's anything you would want these outside agencies to know People who live and work in rural communities can
0: be a little bit wary um, of, of outside agency. It's their outside people. They come in with the best intentions, but there, there's maybe that sense that it won't stick. People won't stay with it, or they come in with a, a full head of steam and don't think about or understand that there's some logistics on the ground that are are frustrations for the people who have to sort of live it day in and day out. So I think um, for me, I always try and communicate to the biggest. Thing that anyone can do for us is to to listen first and, and sort of help us identify what our challenges and barriers are. Um, so if, if you come in with sort of that position of listening first to the people on the ground, I think you're going to be a step ahead for sure um, in actually developing some effective supports.
1: I see that as being a really, you know, key first step is, is just stopping and listening first. Any other tips in terms of building that trust or that relationship over, over time?
0: I, and I, I'm hoping Derek will agree with me on this one. Um, I think it's all about relationships. So um, going in with patience and, and a willingness to 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 be open to some, not just difficult conversations, but time-consuming conversations. Going in with that, that sense that you really need to work hard at the relationship piece before other things will follow. And then they'll follow quite naturally. You might get that that creativity and that problem-solving that you're looking for, but you cannot overlook the uh, importance of relationships.
1: Derek, is there anything you'd like to add?
3: Oh, I, I agree 100% with the relationship comment from Caitlin. Our whole, our whole world revolves around relationship. Um, mm-hmm. If we don't have that, then we're definitely not going to be as successful with kids as we as we, we strive to be. Uh, in terms of adding things to the world component, I would just... Um, as I often do speak with with guests when they do come in, um, that in a rural community, you're always on, if you're the principal or if you're the social studies teacher or the math teacher or the counselor, no matter where you are, at any point during your waking hours, even when you're sleeping, you are the same person to them. So there's no uh, there's no place to go hide. So whether you're at the grocery store or the gas station or the arena, you're you're always on. And uh, I think that's uh, something to be considered when when we have people coming in to support. Us as professionals, as well as the students, I always ask people to to be upfront, honest, and uh, not just honest, but um, real. Right? Uh, don't sugarcoat stuff. We're, we're here to talk about mental health and, and well being, and if we're going to uh, really take that on and be effective, then we need to speak openly and honestly, and uh, and use terms that we are all comfortable in hearing. So,
1: yeah, because I can imagine just the service needs in your communities, are so different than in more urban centers. So someone coming in would need to take that time and and be patient and build those relationships to just learn about those unique service needs that that you have.
0: I think the line, um, I was just recollecting someone telling me once, is you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really true of someone coming from a more urban centric agency background or otherwise, that you don't know what you don't know yet about what it's like to work in a, in a rural community. I'm sure people have lots of thoughts and ideas good and bad about what it might be like but some of that openness I think that Derek and I are speaking to that's really beneficial when people come to our communities comes from being okay with that idea and with that comes a listening piece you don't know what you don't know so let people tell you or show you
2: I love that part. You don't know what you don't know. So come in and listen first. So such good advice. Um, Derek, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about if there's anything in your school community that you're particularly proud of that's being done to support and promote student mental health and wellness.
3: Sure. I mean, anytime I get the chances to sing our praises of, of Shirley Giroux, our counselor, I definitely jump at it she she um, has t- taken the lead on several different initiatives in our school and community but some of the some of the ones that are top of mind right now are, are Jack Chapter so she started a, a Jack Chapter within our school uh, if you more inf- information you go to jack.org and um, it's exciting because we have a group of about 20% of our students who come together and discuss mental health and advocacy in terms of how they can support themselves and their peer groups and to me, that's going to be one of the key things to to having a healthier school, is having the students educated and being a part of the solution on a daily basis. Uh, Mrs. Drew has also um, created a, a a support group within our own staff, with our teachers in our community, and and they, um, through the funding from the district as well, uh, were able to get together, um, I think six times this year, and and talk about what it is that the job of teaching does. In terms of where it is you you unpack what you carry every day and to do that professionally along with the colleagues, there's not really a whole lot of time built into your day to do that. But she really has shone light on the importance of finding the time to hear what your colleagues are experiencing and supporting each other as, as we try to uh, to meet the needs of the kids academically and emotionally, right?
2: Yeah, both really um, wonderful examples of things that, that I know you guys are really proud of and doing some great work around that. Going back to your Jack chapter just for a second, I wanted to see if you would comment a little bit about the Mental Health Summit work, because I know that's the work that connects you with this uh, group, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, so our Mental Health Summit was one of the casualties from COVID-19, um, <laughs> but I'm uh, really sad, um, but I mean, you know, it's been postponed, right? It's, it's not dead in the water, so our mental health summit is is a, a celebration and, and uh, education forum that we were planning in May um, for our own students as well as students from neighboring communities of Clearwater, Barrier, uh, Jasper, and McBride. And um, I had some people from Jack Chapter coming out to be keynote speakers as well. And uh, our work through collaboration with the Kelty Center uh, allows us to to create, which I think is going to be a really awesome day, and a positive note too, right? Um, our parent advisory council—we're uh, pretty keen and excited about the opportunity to be a part of it as well. So when it does happen, it's going to be absolutely awesome. Um,
2: Wonderful, yeah. and I love the, the combination of different—you know—communities, youth voice, parent voice, and everyone getting together to work on this for sure. Caitlin, I'm going to hand the same sort of question off to you. I know that in Alexis Creek, you do a lot of work around social-emotional learning. And I'm wondering if you can talk about um, something that you're particularly proud of that you're doing in your school around that.
0: One of the things we're really proud of here is is a school culture piece. And when I spoke earlier to holistic care and that being sort of a complete wrap around all the staff in our school, Where that's really evident for us is how we start our day. So our kids almost all come by bus. I think 95% come by bus. Um, So we sort of all arrive at the same time. Um, When kids walk in the door, they are greeted by at least three human beings by name who ask them how they're doing and and how things are going for them. And just that alone is a huge connection piece as our mornings continue we go to our classrooms we've got three separate multi-grade classrooms and then we all meet together for a walk when the weather's nice so that is five-year-olds up to 60 year olds grade kindergarten up to grade 10 um so we spend some time uh just waking up socializing and, and playing with each other and then we all go to breakfast together <laughs> i mean we take care of our nutritional needs um and there's some social time in there as well as i'm sure you can imagine
2: Um, and then we settle down to our learning. Oh my goodness, I just love that. I have this beautiful visual um, of your space, and the kindergarten to the grade 10s, and connecting, and playing, and uh, all those things. It's beautiful, and it leads me nicely into this next question that I have for you, Caitlin, And, and that's the part about, like, we know that research shows us the importance of kids having a Safe and caring adults in their lives, and how much that can have an impact on their mental health, as well as many other positive health outcomes and academic success, and all those wonderful uh, things. Um, and I've actually, you know, worked often in larger schools um, where we've had to really concentrate on how to make those relationships work, and it's not always easy. You know, so many kids, and and trying to remember all the details and all those things. And yet, when I come into smaller communities and um, in different parts of the province, and I can see that it's somehow different. So, I guess the question is, how do you build and foster these kind of relationship with with kids in your school? For us, it even for us, it took a took a shift. Like, yes, we're small, but it
0: had to be intentional steps. To it's an easy thing to do, and this is, I think, a really good example of the small things are big things. So, it's it's a really easy thing to greet a kid by name, say. Good morning, Robin Anas. Um, um, which is good morning, in Um, How are you today? That's a really easy thing to do. But when three adults do that, the first when you walk in the door, that's a huge thing. And I think that's a shift that, that is possible in larger schools as well. Yes, it would take some scaling up, of course, but that the intentionality is is transferable. You just have to think and make space for those care pieces, and those care pieces pay off. In such huge ways, I know it maybe sounds a little bit idyllic when I when I'm speaking about our mornings, but you know what? They become idyllic. They are like I get so much joy, and like, the best part of my day um, as an administrator is is those mornings.
2: I can hear that joy in your voice, right? Like that is authentic joy. So, um, I want to move to Derek with that same kind of question. Derek, one of the things that I know about you is that this that you have been in your district for a stretch of time. And um, so when I think about relationship and connection, um, I think that's got to have an impact. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: You know, I, we, we settled here and I actually live in a community of Dunster, which is in between McBride and Valemount. So prior to being um, given the opportunity to work here in Valemount, I was principal of McBride Secondary School for about 11 years. You know, over the course of that many years, you get to develop great relationships with, with, with everybody in the community and the schools. Coming back to Valmount, and I say back to Valmount because I was a shop teacher here back in the nineties. And so coming back here again, now I'm teaching the children of the people that I taught back then. And it's just a new generational thing, right? So I'm getting older. But the, uh, the part about relationships in small communities is, is huge. Um, a lot of stuff changes. And that's part of the problem, I think, with um, sustainability of any kind of a program of any sort in a smaller community is the, is the revolving door of people who come and go in certain aspects of support. So um, to have stability in our staff, which is very stable here in our school, in our community, because it's a beautiful place to live, um, it's a pretty big thing. And allows us to grow uh, really deep, deep relationships. And I wouldn't trade that for, for anything. Once the kids accept and understand that you're there um, for them, regardless of, of time of day or night or, or what you got on your plate, um, then some great things happen. And then and it doesn't take long before the community sees that they have support um, available to them. And unfortunately, we still have suicides in our community. And when they hit, they, they hit hard because. Just as I develop great relationships with people I work with and, and interact with, the whole community does. So when someone does take their life and suicide and dies by suicide, it, it's, it, it hits the whole community. So it's very challenging.
1: Yeah, I can appreciate that. Just the, the benefits of, of having these deep relationships with your community, but also how when a tragedy does happen, it just it just hurts that much more and affects everyone that much more because you have these deep relationships
2: I'm going to jump on the other thing that you said is that relationship, the family and community to move us a little bit um, into the the staff relationships and things. Um, And we know that supporting staff well-being is really, really important and that it impacts student well-being. Maybe Caitlin, you could start us with this one. What are you doing with your team around promoting staff well-being?
0: Um, This is a really interesting moment to talk about this, too, I think, um, because it's very been on the forefront of my mind, I'm sure many people's minds, um, due to sort of the COVID-19 changes in all of our lives. Um, What's been great about that opportunity is I feel people are much more open to talking about wellness on a personal level. So some things that we do that are really small is just connect with each other regularly, like actually look someone in the eye and have a conversation as opposed to just hi Um And that, I think that's really easy to do it with, with a small staff and in a small community. Small things like going for walks as a group, that outside time is really important to us. Like it's, it's again, small things are big things, right? Um, and I know for me in my role, it's, it's, just, the, it's just listening. Um, listening to people and making space for them to share their positives and their stresses and, and that kind of thing.
2: So one of the things I'm noticing when you're talking about that, uh, Caitlin, is you're using a lot of the same kind of things that we talk about around student well-being. And I think that's one thing that always strikes me is that well-being is, is similar for all of us. So the things that you do for student well-being also work around being authentic and listening and being open to talking about things together in that sort of authentic kind of way. Um, and then I guess I just wanted to uh, flip it back to you, Derek, to talk about um, staff well-being um, and if there's anything you wanted to add to what you talked about
3: before. One of the things I strive to do is, is to celebrate successes uh, with students particularly, but most specifically with, with staff. We, we have a, a picture in our mind about what it is that how we see ourselves. And quite often others will see things that we don't in, our, in, our, in, a, in the mirror. I think part of my job is to to share that and show that uh, reality to, to the staff. So celebrating successes, no matter how big or small they are, are important to do. Uh, Jordan Tutu, uh, I saw him earlier this year, and, and one of the quotes I took away from him was uh, that missed opportunities uh, happen because we are telling ourselves the wrong story. As my role in my role as principal, I, I just want to make sure that the teachers that I work with understand their true story and how effective and powerful they are in the, in the things that they do. When we go back to the relationships, I can look at our staff in the school and they work hard at developing the relationships that they have with the kids. And as a result, students are, are doing excellent. One of the things I strive to do with every student that I work with is to to have them build confidence in themselves and the message that, you know, we have one life to live and I would like to be a part of that person making their life as purposeful as it possibly can be. And when communities come together with, with the goal of confidence and purpose in, in you know, because it takes a community to raise a child, when the community gets behind those two goals and uses those as, as, as a focus point, it, it does amazing things in terms of who does come out of our community and what our community does for each other?
0: Some of, I think what we can be sensitive about is the deficit narrative that that sometimes I think we face or our teams face, the thought that there's not as much going on, that our educational experiences aren't as strong uh, or our kids are not, don't emerge from our schools prepared to take on the world. It's it's been so important to be in the work that, that I and we do here at our school, try and shift that narrative because there are amazing things happening in rural schools and amazing things happening for and by rural students and so we talk about amplifying the things that are going well or being loud about the things that are going well that that's certainly been something I try to focus on um, is it's shouting out as loud as I can about the great things that are happening in rural.
1: That's awesome and it kind of leads me to my next question so Caitlin I was going to ask you Um, thinking about kind of your hopes for the future. So if you had, you know, one wish for your school community and their mental wellness for the future, kind of building off all of these amazing things that are already happening. So whether it's amplifying something that's amazing and shouting it out or something new that you'd like to add to what you're already doing, what
0: would that one wish be? Um, I think to be part of that shifting narrative, both on a personal and like on school level, um, to be a piece of that puzzle that, um, help show that this is a valuable place to live, work, and learn.
1: I love it. And I love the idea of shifting that narrative and uh, from that deficit model. Derek, how about you? If you had one wish for your school community, for for your students and their mental wellness?
3: Well, I look forward to the day when our our focus and all of the activities, or the majority of the activities that we do take part in the school, are all student-led. I believe that day is not too far down the road, but I believe that it will uh, make a significant difference and impact in how the youth are engaged and get rid of the stigma that's associated with mental health.
2: Love that. That's a beautiful wish. <laughs> um, so, Derek, school professionals listening uh, would, I'm hoping and I'm thinking, and that they're they're going to be quite inspired by some of the things that you guys have done to date to support child and youth mental health in your schools but what if what kind of advice would you give to someone who's just looking to get started who's sort of thinking about this and sort of maybe like not quite as far along in the process what advice would you offer to them
3: uh, advice for other schools or, or personnel would be um, don't wait for somebody else to step up and knock on your door. Uh, if you have an opportunity to bring a presenter in or to get uh, some form of an a agreement or a partnership with with another organization, then jump at the chance to do it. We are rural. We 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 have the same experiences as Alexis Creek in terms of distances and the weather and all those things. But I I I don't think that um, it's realistic to wait for people to drive up and down the highway to knock on our door. So. If there's something out there that you would like to do and bring in for your students and your staff, then jump on it and get her done.
2: Thanks, Derek, that's very good advice. Uh, Caitlin, anything you want to add to that around advice for someone getting started with this?
0: There's lots of opportunity in a rural environment to think creatively. Pick a place to start, any place is a bad place. Um, as I said before, small things can be big things. You can start with greeting a kid at the door and seeing where that takes you. But I find there's a lot of flexibility in rural schools and in rural communities. So if you want to try something, and it, and it will work when it's locally developed. So just give it a shot. Don't be afraid to think outside of the box.
1: I love that advice. I think it's very practical, but also really inspiring. Do either of you have any last thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to offer out to our listeners?
3: I'm willing to bet that any small rural community has people in it that want to sit down and have discussions about mental health. You know, even having an open house and talking about mental health in an effort to reduce stigma um, is an awesome first step to finding out who are the people in your neighbourhood and, and who are there to uh, to support and help uh, moving forward. So
0: Wonderful. Caitlin? Look to your rural places. There, there are certainly places where innovation is happening. There's creative people there. Um, there's people overcoming barriers. Of all kinds, um, now, like geographic to just personnel resources, so they're creative places, and I, I really believe strongly that there's some things happening in rural communities and in rural schools that uh, are models for what might be successful in merger centers as well, um, because it's such a personalized take on supporting children and supporting adults. Um, I think there's a lot to be learned in
3: the things that we
1: are doing. here. Great. Well, Caitlin and Derek, thank you both so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure chatting with you both.
3: Yes. Thank you for your time.
1: Yeah. No, thank you so much. Thanks Gil for co-hosting this episode on mental health in rural and remote school communities with me. And thanks to the listeners out there as well. Gil, I'm just curious, was there anything in particular that stood out for you from that conversation?
2: Yeah, thanks, Michelle. Uh, I just learned so much um, from that conversation. Uh, one of the things that really stood out for me, we need to disrupt the deficit narrative of rural um, and remote school districts. Um, there are amazing things going on in rural schools. Um, the other part of that, it sort of connects with that, is um, where they talked about starting the conversation. Be intentional and authentic and Uh, What Caitlin said really resonated with me. Small things are big things. So many takeaways there for me that I think will be really helpful for people.
1: Thanks so much, Gil. Those uh, stood out for me as well. So thanks again for listening. We hope you make us your go-to resource for promoting mental health and wellness from where you are to where you want to be.